A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness. He will judge the needy. With justice, he will, he, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the islands of the Mediterranean. He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. And now Revelation 22. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they might have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life, let them come. It's hard to believe, isn't it, that Christmas season is already here. That we've kicked off Advent. We're counting down to the big day, counting down by joining together and joining churches around the world in marking Advent. And Joel, if you could just click onto my slides for me, that would be really helpful. Uh, hang on, I can do it myself. Woohoo! I can do it myself. 
expectation. Uh, we've kicked off this season of hope, and I wonder if that's just what the doctor has ordered this year. I wonder if you are feeling hopeful about your own life and where it's going, your trajectory, uh, or about the world and where it's going. A UNICEF is asking kids around the world, they're doing a study asking kids around the world if the world is becoming a better or worse place with each generation. How would you answer that question? The better button or the worse button? How do you think kids around the world are answering that question? That's going to tell you a bit about how you feel about the world, isn't it? But it turns out three in five kids around the world think we're on the up. A two in five, not so much. Now, that's a lot, isn't it? And you might find yourself today in the 60% who think things are getting better or in the 40% who think things are getting worse or just a mix of both. How are you feeling about the world? Here's an interesting thing about UNICEF's study, though. It turns out the older we are, the less hopeful we become about the world. And that's because we become more realistic with age, isn't it? Am I right, people older than me? It's because we become more realistic. Uh, It might be actually that we, we become more cynical. It might be that we become more jaded and that we actually need a little dash of hope this Christmas. But hope is hard because life is hard. And you might be sitting here this morning as you grapple with this question of hope, wondering what hope looks like right now. We're sitting in year two of a pandemic and these restrictions. You might be wondering where hope is to be found in this new normal we keep hearing about. See, COVID, it's been something that's exposed things for us. It's exposed an anxious system that we live in, but it's also amplified our anxiety. It's even created its own form of anxiety, COVID anxiety syndrome. And you might be sitting here this morning anxious. The borders are about to open. Things are about to change. Everything's stable. We've known here in Queensland over the last two years is about to be thrown open. There's new variants around. How are you feeling about that? Are you feeling hope and joy at the thought of borders opening? Or are you feeling despair and anxiety? And it's not just COVID, is it? Research is suggesting many people live today with this eco-anxiety, this feeling of dread about where the world is going. There's even tips and tricks for not losing hope in the face of all the bad news about the planet. But pandemics and climate change, they're big and global and out there things. Your anxiety, it might be closer to home. Now, this year's brought weird economic challenges. An increasingly complex global system means the pandemic has challenged supply chains, which has jacked up the cost of raw materials, made housing more expensive, made rents go up. While at the same time, our jobs are less stable, everything just feels more stressful, especially when we're not sure about the future. And so financial stress is biting. And apparently one in three Aussies are feeling financial stress right now. You might be one of those one in three. COVID and just life in general with this anxiety that's around, it's putting pressure on relationships. There've been a spate of relationship breakups and maybe that's where you are this morning, feeling the pressure. Or maybe you're worried about vaccines and freedom and the government's use of power in this pandemic. Maybe you're worried about the sorts of people marching. Maybe you haven't realised there are people on either side of this divide in our community. And maybe you're experiencing that divide close to home in your own family and you're worried about the polarisation and the disagreement and can we live together in these uncertain times. 
Or maybe you're worried this week about the idea of our religious freedom, that it's under threat, and we're talking about this new bill and what it means. Or maybe you're worried about what the new bill means for you and what religious people might be able to do to you with this new freedom. Maybe you deal with something more chronic and wired in here, anxiety or depression or trauma. Maybe you're carrying a lot and this year has just felt like the straw that might break your back. And so to be asked about hope right now just feels like too much. Maybe you're here today and you're just not hoping, you're barely coping. And Christmas, wow, that adds a layer of complexity for you to deal with as you deal with your family, as you deal with uh, loneliness, and maybe you feel overloaded and we see you. Maybe your brain is telling you that you're the problem. I know for lots of you, this awkward Yeti cartoon speaks to how life feels. We're carrying burdens of past trauma, carrying all of these things that stack up, bad news, the pandemic, stress, and you're starting to feel like you're to blame, like your brain is to blame for telling you, say, that you're the problem, that you're overreacting when one last thing drops on the pile and breaks you. 2021, it's been a complex year for lots of us to figure out, hasn't it? Uh, Beyond Blue even has some new words for the complexity we're living in. Uh, the, the kind of weird tensions, happy flat, chill panic, or worry hope. And maybe worry hope is where you're at today. And that's okay. These worries are real. These struggles are real. Life is hard. But I want to tell you this morning that the hope Advent offers is real too. And I wonder where you look for uh, what you're putting your hope in with all these challenges that we're facing. Uh, Who's going to lead you to the promised land of your hopeful future? Is it ScoMo or Albo or maybe Palmo? Is it Anastasia or Dr. Young or whoever her successor is? Uh, Maybe you're hoping in the great resignation where you quit your job and find something more fulfilling or the great reset where economists are talking about changing how the economy works to make it less dehumanising and destructive. This is another one of those polarising things where freedom protesters have placards calling us to resist the reset, but maybe that's where hope lies for you. Maybe hope's in open borders, in being able to see your family. That's a big deal for lots of us. Maybe it's in the vaccine and vaccine rates boosting our ability to respond to this pandemic. Your own vaccine, the vaccine rate in the community, hoping that science and technology and human ingenuity and cooperation and corporations might save us. Or maybe you're just hoping for something really good for Christmas this year. Retailers are hoping that we'll pin our hopes on that. The National Retail Association reckons we'll spend $60 billion on Christmas shopping in Australia this year. And they're hoping that'll turn our economy around. And that's, of course, what Jesus came for, real Advent hope, a restored economy. Maybe you're pinning your hope for a better world on the next generation, wanting to see your kids or the kids in our community do better than you did, to be more successful than you've been. There's a new kindy about to open next to our school on Marshall Road in Holland Park, a kids' school. Uh, It's called the Eden Academy. There are Eden Academies all over Brisbane. There's a weird thing I've noticed where lots of kindies are using heavenly or Edenic imagery and titles to promote themselves as the pathway to flourishing, the way to form our kids to live in a better world. It's fascinating. Maybe, though, you're just hoping for some good news to cheer you up, and there's a 
a new news service called Happy Headlines that will deliver nothing but good news for you to help you be more hopeful. So maybe through all this, I've captured where you're at. Maybe I haven't. But I've got some bad news as well as some good news this Christmas. The good news is there is reason to hope. The bad news is that most of what we instinctively put our trust in, whether that's human leaders, princes, like in Psalm 146, human beings who cannot save, or treasures that we store up on earth that won't last or will be stolen, be destroyed, the bad news is these things will disappoint these things that we place our hope in, that we hope will deliver heaven on earth to us, they will not deliver. As we saw last week, any heaven built without God's presence will fail. It will come crashing down under God's judgment. You can't have a new Eden, an Eden Academy, without God in the picture. The good news is that the Bible shows us that hope isn't just natural, it's not just a thing we've learned to do that will ultimately disappoint us. Hope is wired into us by God. Our longing for something like Eden again, our longing for a beautiful world, for a beautiful Christmas, it's good and it won't disappoint if we hope in the right things. The passage from Isaiah that Rosemary just read for us, it's a a beautiful and hopeful passage. It has that picture of life in Eden, life where predator and prey are at peace, lying down together. It comes after an earlier part of Isaiah's longing is pictures of this hopeful future where a figure would come to bring peace, beating swords into plowshares, beastly tools of war into tools of life-giving cultivation. And we'll think more about peace next week. But Isaiah has these visions for us of a beautiful kingdom, a kingdom where predators and beasts become lamb-like whether animal or human. Isaiah doesn't say we should get rid of hope. Instead, we should embrace hope and live as though our hopes will come true. So I want to ask you this morning how you would live if this vision from Isaiah was your vision of the future. How would you live as people of hope? Would you buy shares in a weapons manufacturer or would you become a warmonger? No, that wouldn't be an expression of that hope. You'd be a peacemaker. You'd commit yourself to the beautiful kingdom, the kingdom of God, the sort of kingdom Jesus calls us to be part of in the Beatitudes, which are a picture of that beautiful kingdom. You'd long for the arrival of this branch that will bear fruit, this shoot from the stump of Jesse, the son of David, a new king. You'd look for the one who had the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, of right relationships. You'd look for the one who carried the Spirit of God on him, the one who delights in God and calls us to do likewise, and you'd imitate him. You'd live with longing and hope that this king might arrive to make all things new and that when he arrived to do that, he'd find you ready and waiting and living as though his kingdom is the one you want to be part of. So you'd seek God's Spirit of wisdom and knowledge and you'd delight in the fear of the Lord, preparing for his arrival. You'd long for a leader, not like those human princes, not like our politicians, not your ordinary human prince, but God's chosen king who will actually bring righteousness and justice for the poor. And so you'd commit yourself to righteousness and justice so that his judgment doesn't fall on you. You'd commit yourself to this king and his kingdom so that his judgment doesn't fall on you. This king, this root of Jesse, will bring a glorious resting place 
standing as a banner for all the people, the nations coming to him, and his resting place will be glorious. Remember where God rested in the start of the story? As he'd made the world and it was good and he rested with his glory, it was Eden. Remember where he gave rest to his people? It was the promised land. This king will restore this. He'll bring rest and peace and shalom, that biblical picture, a true city of peace, a city of shalom, glorious rest, a great reset, truly. And if you thought he was coming, you'd long for this rest. You'd hope for this rest. Israel was meant to live in this way, to be a kingdom of priests, a a hopeful people ready to welcome their king with this sort of kingdom. But they weren't ready because they weren't living lives of hope when the king arrived, but lives hoping all the stuff around them would deliver, lives that didn't make their reception for Jesus beautiful, but beastly. So when Jesus turns up with a copy of Isaiah in his hometown and reads it and says, today this is fulfilled, claiming he's the branch they've been waiting for, the king they've been hoping for, the people in his hometown were told us so mad at what he said, they tried to throw him off a cliff. What does it look like to live with real hope? The hope that comes with this root of Jesse, this son of David. Hope no matter what the immediate future looks like. Hope when the long term looks bleak. Hope even if you're a little bit older this year, a little more cynical and Christmas is just a little bit less magical or the gospel is losing a little bit of its glow. And some of you older folk get this. You get what it looks like to live with hope. You're more excited about Christmas and the gospel than I am. And it's beautiful and inspiring. What does it look like to live with hope when you carry the scars of what's been done to you? And this is just another Christmas season or a first one dealing with that family pain or that trauma. No matter where you sit on the worry hope spectrum, and we fall all over that spectrum, all over that line in our church family, I can tell you that what it doesn't look like to live with hope is to take the self-protective and beastly path of Herod who tried to kill the baby Jesus when he arrived or the fearful and angry crowd who tried to throw him off a cliff. See, if they were really living lives hoping for God's king to come, they wouldn't have tried to kill him. And ultimately, hopeless Israel and hopeless Rome and hopeless humanity rejected Jesus and killed him on a cross. Putting our hope in human princes, human kingdoms, treasures of this world will leave you doing terrible things to hold on to the illusion of hope, terrible things to God, and you'd actually be better off hopeless than hoping in the wrong things. Living with hope will look like taking our lead from the angels, the choirs of angels singing with Advent expectation at the birth of Jesus. Glory to God in the highest, they sang, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. This is the king the world has been hoping for, born at Christmas time. This is the Advent expectation, the hope. And, And so real hope is to sing and to live with the expectation that God, the God who promised to send his king, to send him to fix the world, has done so. And that we experience this as his people. And so now we live expectant and hopeful that he will return 
to make all things new, to bring a new Eden, a beautiful kingdom. And see, these angels, they don't stop singing. They don't stop worshipping. And so we meet them in Revelation around the throne room of the king who has been enthroned. And they don't stop calling us to the hope at the heart of the Christmas story, the Christian story, that God is not only with us but for us. And so there they are singing praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever because the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world is the victorious king. God is not only with us, he is for us and he will recreate you and the world through this promised king whose return we now long and hope for in eager Advent expectation. Just like Israel was meant to with Isaiah, our challenge is to wait differently, to live this expectant hope, this longing to join the angels in their songs, to school our hearts the way Advent teaches us to, in expectation that our King is coming, to live in a real Eden Academy in the presence of God, being schooled to wait for this King to return. Because we know this King came and we know this King now reigns. Because we do live with this hope. The hope that the root of Jesse, the root and offspring of David, as Jesus calls himself in that passage of, Ro- of Revelation that Rosemary read for us. Not this passage of Rosemary that Re- Revelation read for us. That would have been wrong. We do live with this hope. The hope that the root of Jesse has come in the flesh. That he was born, that he lived, he died, he rose, and he ascended into heaven as the judge and king of the world, of the heavens and the earth, of all things. And we live with the hope he will return to make all things new. That he will return to create a new Eden, a beautiful, bountiful paradise, a promised land with Jesus, the fruitful branch at the centre. A new Eden where our hopes, our thirsts, our longings are satisfied if we come and behold him. See, Advent reminds us to live with this hope, no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in eagerly anticipating the coming again of the King who came at Christmas. And it's a season that comes around every year because every year is hard. Every year you have reasons to feel hopeless. Every year we need to be reminded to hope. Every year we become a little more cynical. Like the survey said, every year that will happen without us deliberately recommitting ourselves to this calling to live as hopeful people, to live lives shaped by the future we are hoping for as a kingdom of priests, a kingdom of those hopeful, expectant people who wait for God's king to arrive the way Israel was supposed to. And we don't want to be like Israel who, when the king arrives, want to crucify him because he's a threat. We want to be waiting in eager expectation. And this means not despairing at the oppressive kingdoms of the world, not despairing in the face of sickness or pandemics or death or evil or environmental collapse or even the trauma caused to us when we come face to face with beastliness. These things are passing away. Our King will return to make all things new. Our God will, as we read in chapter 21 last week, wipe away every tear from our eyes. We spent a bit of time in our growth group this week pondering what a picture that is, what an intimate picture that is of God. 
that he will wipe away your tears. He won't just stand back somewhere and tell you to stop crying. It's intimate, it's nurturing, it's beautiful. And that is our God. And so instead, we live this hope-filled alternative vision of the future, planting gardens, building healthy relationships, not fearing death, but caring for the sick, stepping towards those who need help. Advent is like an Eden Academy for us as we sing familiar carols, as we join choirs of angels. We're being schooled in hope, formed in eager expectation that Jesus, the root of Jesse, came and will come again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are not without hope. We thank you that in Jesus Christ, in his coming in the flesh, as a human, as a baby, in his living and his teaching and his showing us a different way, and in his dying for us in our place, and in his resurrection, securing new life for us, and in his ascension to reign and to pour out the Spirit so that we are your people. In all these things, we have hope. But thank you too that we have hope that Jesus will return to make all things new. And we pray that hope might become real for us. Uh, Even if we don't expect it in our lifetime, that we might be the people who are your kingdom of priests who live lives marked by that hope, the hope that Jesus will return and that we will be found ready and waiting that we will be found as your kingdom of priests, living lives of hope, not despair. Lives that point people to the truth of the things we believe. Father, we pray this Advent you would prepare our hearts. That we, even if we've become a little bit more cynical, a little more jaded over the years, would recommit ourselves not to naive optimism, but to realistic hope. Real hope grounded in the coming of Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen.